Welcome to the Film Rescue Show. I am your Pitchmaster General, Seth. Today I'm joined by our wonderful hosts, Aaron. How are Hello. you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Fuck you. <laughs> you made me watch this movie. I'm sorry, that was loaded. Let me introduce our... <laughs> I also have to bleep that because it's too First early for that. It was a little loaded. I apologize. Uh, Devin is also here. Uh, the, howdy, one of the howdy. <laughs> original host of the show. How you doing, Devin? You know, I'm doing good. Um, absolutely delighted that we managed to make you watch two Twilight films for this podcast. So, so Devin, you don't know the full story, which was when I originally negotiated doing this film, because Seth does not want to cover Twilight at all. The original arrangement was that I was going to host the episode. He didn't have to watch the first film, and he only needed to sit through the pitch. Somehow, in the interim between then and the episode, he has watched the film three times in three different mental states. So I win. I just win by default. Seth, welcome to the nightmare that is my entire life. I have watched this movie so many times. I've hated it every time I've watched it, and I just keep doing it. And by the end of this podcast, we will have made you watch every single Twilight film. That's not going to happen. Okay, uh, not, not to correct Aaron, but what they said was wrong. Um, I was promised Breaking Dawn was the only Twilight movie I had to watch, and then suddenly, a year later, I'm now watching Twilight. Uh, That's really what happened. Yeah, I gave it to Devin, and then I decided I wanted it too. So, uh, t- <laughs> yes, I, I watched this movie in three different mental states because... The first time I watched it, I watched it sober, and <laughs> oh. mm, that's the hard one. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on the hot take limb here. I didn't hate it. Now, that's not to say I liked it. <laughs> uh, the the things that I liked about it felt like they were frustratingly pushed to the background. We'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. But uh, the sober watch, I didn't hate it. Then I watched it high. Um, and when I say hi, I was zooted. I mean, <laughs> one with the couch. And that experience was excruciating. <laughs> that that was where I was like, I'm, I'm not going to make it. This is not going to be fun. How was the time? Because the time in this movie drags on to imperceptibility as it is. <laughs> yeah, wait, hold on a second. Sativa or Indica, first off, because I'm all more of a Sativa they when it comes to the Twilight franchise, but it seems like you Indica'd it, which I think was probably the wrong decision. So uh, in, in general, I sleep on Indica and I like function on Sativa. Mm. So I was going to bed after that watch. So it was an Indica watch. Yeah, okay, um, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I don't have the wherewithal to do a Sativa watch. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't survive my Sativas anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, very true. I'm, I'm very happy to be a, a weed lightweight. I don't need a lot to just feel good. But so then I was like, well, okay. I normally do a sober and a drunk watch, so let me do the drunk watch. And the drunk watch is where I was awoken to the movie within the movie. <laughs> There's a a really fun West Coast Portland teen comedy happening in the background of this movie. And I just latched onto that really hard. So what you're saying is you've gone through the Twilight Awakening that yes. we all go through at some point, which is oh, is, start, it, is this a ubiquitous you start experience? Hating, yes, you start hating it, 
And then somehow you find the story <laughs> within the story and you're like, okay, there is something here. There is something here. And you keep watching it. It keeps being terrible because you're looking for it. <laughs> You guys have thrown me off already. Let me. Okay, so in case the title of this episode wasn't clear enough, we're talking about Twilight today on Film Rescue. Um, this was directed by Catherine Hardwick, who I adore. Um, Lords of Dogtown is one of my favorite films ever. Uh, 2005 was my introduction to like non Christian music, non Christian movies. So this is like very much the like impetus to Seth today. And finding out that Catherine Hardwick did Lords of Dogtown and then did Twilight was like world shattering for me. Dang. Ooh. I didn't realize she also did Red Riding Hood. Which uh, is underrated. <laughs> yeah. Severely. Yeah. One of the things that, that Devin and I discussed in our like pre our pre-pitch planning uh was that often the I really feel like Catherine Hardwick put more effort into the things going on in the background than the rest of the film because yeah. the kids in the background super interesting Charlie and Billy in the background super interesting and a lot of the <laughs> shots are framed like at the very beginning there's a shot where you've got Bella on one side and uh, Jacob on the other side it's a very unnatural framing and you just have the fathers in the middle just like fucking around and like it's clear that that's the story you're supposed to be watching the way it's framed like i really feel like she tried to do this subversive thing where she snuck another film in underneath yeah. the twilight film <laughs> yeah. like I everybody who worked on that. this thing <laughs> she mm -hmm. was like this is so bad we have to do something different i can't i can't yes. just make this yes and, and it, as, I, as i learn like what it was like to be on set and how like edward cullen or um edward cullen uh <laughs> what's his new batman robert pattinson uh <laughs> apparently can't remember like he he like trauma pushed this experience out of his brain and Kristen stewart has like run aghast in the opposite direction of the series and everything yeah. else that she's done and like it, it feels like they were like directorless as yeah. Catherine hardwick was like okay but um in the background let's have uh angela and mike and jessica and tyler and eric have this really fun thing happening off camera that no one can hear or see. <laughs> have you ever listened to Anna Kendrick talk about this movie? She no. forgot she was in it, didn't she? Yeah, she did. But it's also hilarious because she tries so hard to be professional. And every interview I've ever seen where somebody mentions it, you can just see on her face like the struggle <laughs> to not just, you know, blast the movie. She's like the only one who's really trying not to, you know, shit on the stuff she's done. But yeah, she forgot she was in it at one point, which is hilarious. Um. It really just speaks to the trauma that was involved in this. I get the feeling that the studio had a very heavy hand in this, and Catherine Hardwick yeah. was just trying to do the best that she could in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there are. Well, let, let's let's keep to the let's keep positive, to the show positive. formula. Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. let's do positives first. Um, <laughs> Aaron, you picked it, so you are on the chopping block to have something positive well, to Well, wait, I have a full list of positives that actually is longer than my list of negatives, so why don't wow. I go last? Oh, okay. Sure, <laughs> then, uh, Devin, you can start. Yeah. Um, so, surprisingly, I mean, the same reason I keep watching this, there's a lot to like here. Um, obviously, we've already mentioned it, uh, Billy Black, Charlie... And even even uh, Carlisle, like all the dad characters mm -hmm. in this are kind of great, even though they're not explored that much. 
Yeah. Um, I I do legitimately love the idea that vampires and werewolves are like natural enemies because it's yep. something we don't get in vampire lore a lot. Like vampires are always just top of the food chain. They don't have any any kind of predator. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or they're just and, separate lures entirely, even when they're in the yeah. same world. Yeah, it's like completely disconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, man, like I'm, I'm trying to think of like big things because unfortunately a lot of the things that keep drawing me back to this are like very like minute details where it's like, oh, I wish that would have been explored more. Um, <laughs> I mean, again, like if, if, if I could have seen five more minutes of Billy Black, I probably would have watched this whole movie 20 more times than I did. <laughs> which maybe maybe there's a good reason um that didn't exist no i think i think generally kind of the same thing like all the background characters feel like genuinely great like all the all the school kids feel like you know people? high school asshats yeah they feel actual like human beings they're yeah. the only ones that feel like humans in the entire sh- yeah freaking movie which like i don't like does create a really great offset with like the vampires being these ancient creatures right like Mm -hmm. it's nice to have like oh this is normal and then this is not normal because these beings are messed up in the head because they've lived for too long yeah which is great um and i think you make a good point there with i think what with what she was trying to do was juxtaposition like showing you know these supernatural characters and these humans in juxtaposition i just don't think the execution was particularly good either because of budget or studio constraints or just the material she was working with is not that deep yeah Yeah. no it it really wasn't um yeah i I would say those are like definitely some of the major things for me i mean we're gonna we're gonna deep dive into the minutia of what i like about this as we go through the pitch because that is what we built the whole thing around yeah Um, we went an interesting direction with the pitch yeah I'm excited for that. Um, <laughs> what are your positives, Seth? Um, I, I, so I got to come right out the gate. Uh, Paramore's Decode. Yes. Um, what what a like banger! Just swinging for the fences. I love so Paramore. Yes. Paramore is one of my like probably top ten favorite bands of all time. I've seen them in concert a ton. Um, anytime they come to like the 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 four state area, I'm trying to go see them. Um, Paramore slaps so <laughs> that has to be my my opening positive and the fact that it's actually in the movie too that i was not expecting it to show up in the film but when they're getting their palm uh, uh prom dresses yep. the the songs playing in the background i was like oh they actually worked it into the movie hell yeah yeah um the uh the the trope of Bella awkwardly holding things <laughs> that I pointed out to you. <laughs> I, if no one had pointed it out, I want to believe I would have caught it, but it's I don't I can't say that for yeah. certain. But having known that going well, into it, I was like, oh, like literally every scene. Yeah, oh, okay. it took I, me I, so like, long. Like, let's tell the audience before uh, yeah. before Seth watched this film because he had not watched it before this. I told him watch for two things. First off, watch 
Charlie and Billy Black is they're the best characters. Charlie is the best character in the film. And two, mm. watch Bella because it's like it's like I think it's a Catherine Hardwick thing because Emmett carries around hard-boiled eggs in a fucking clear plastic bag because I guess that vampire himbo was like, you know what? I guess this is what big human boys do. I fuck with that so hard. I, I just I love the idea that Kellen Lutz was like beefing up for he's a model, right? A model actor. Um, that yeah, that was probably so. like part of his personal life, and then just. It, Catherine Hardwick was just like, yeah, just take it into the scene. I don't fucking care. <laughs> it's so bizarre. How, how long do you think it took people to stop caring about this movie when they started shooting it? <laughs> I, I'm curious what the what day one shoot was. Like, what scene was it? Where was everybody? What did that look like? I'm yeah, very curious. Well, where as do a director, you start on this Seth, movie? Seth, I'm gonna I'm gonna take over for a second. Seth, as a director, which scene of this Twilight film do you shoot first, and why? You know, th- this will tie into my negative later. Mm-hmm. I think the baseball scene might have been one of the first that they shot. Are you gonna because list that... the baseball scene as a negative? No, wh- n- not not in a. Not in its existence, okay. but there is a giant fucking negative in mm-hmm. it. It's not done very well. It's not done super well. Well, no, not even that. the The presentation it's it's all Dutch angles, and like I I fucking masturbate to Dutch angles. That's just yes, hey, same. twist the camera. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, no, that's that's not the issue. I'll I'll get to that later. I will mm-hmm. tie back to this, but um. No, I think as a director, I would have started there because the characters don't need to be fully realized. Uh, except for Bella in that scene. And that's a good introductory, like, hey, can you act freaked out but also interested by a bunch of mm-hmm. vampires playing baseball? Most here we go. That's that. the yes. that's the weirdest this will ever get. So here we are. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah like that's that. prob- probably where I would have started because that was like all, you know, one one location. They probably could have shot in like two days easily, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Oh, and that does remind me. Um, Catherine Hardwick snuck a bunch of Evil Dead shots into this movie. And if I can respect anything <laughs> about Twilight, it's that there's a bunch of fucking Evil Dead shots in the movie. <laughs> uh, Elliot Davis was the cinematographer. Uh, I, I don't know if it was his decision or, or Catherine's or, or whose, but that's like a the opening with the deer. That whole thing is shot yes. like the Evil Dead. I love that. The deer scenes uh, are some of my favorite scenes. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Hang on a second. Mm-hmm. My recording is flipping out. Oh. It just nope. it just skyrocketed. Like all of my audio, my talking is absolutely whiting out the whole thing, and I think it's actually picking you guys up, which makes no sense. It should not be able to do that. Oops. Okay. I'm taking notes. We're good. Ooh. It was so bad. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm rolling. Yeah. 
talking about the baseball scene. Jesus Christ. <coughs> Don't die. Is the uh, gain Is on your mic? Yes, please do. Nice. Oh, great. Even at the at the end too. Oh. Too much twilight. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh. <laughs> okay. That's we'll do a, a second clap sync whenever you're ready. Hang to on again. while we... <laughs> No, no, no. Sorry. I was just going to say, hang on while we Google things um, and put this whole podcast on hold. (laughs) Yeah, I know. know. (laughs) Shouldn't cut it out. We should just put elevator up music over it. Oh, man. Nick sending me old uh, clips from our older podcast and I'm listening to the audio quality and I'm like, oh, God, we sounded so bad. Okay, go ahead and start rolling. All right, let me take a note. This is 19 back in. All right, another clap sync after three. One, two, three. Um, we yeah. were in positives, right? Yes, and I still have some. Oh, right, right, right. Um, yeah, uh, baseball scene. Why did I bring that up? I was talking about how you would handle this if you were a director, and I think you got mostly uh, to the end of that question. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think I did complete that. Uh, let, yeah. let me just do a, a segue into the next uh, idea. Um, Sounds good to me. Another thing that I loved, uh, specifically during that baseball scene, <laughs> supermassive black hole Yes, as, yeah. as an artistic choice. Um, it, it feels left field, but it also feels like perfectly accurate. Dang. Yeah, they oh, have like, like I, no I, chemistry. I can't hate it. I really, I really can't that hate it. Um, 
That's one of my favorite <laughs> like songs of all time. I, for, there was a, there's an encounter in World of Warcraft where you have to do something in space, and there are black holes. And when yeah. we did that, everybody edited their raid videos to supermassive black hole. Yeah. So that song instantly yes, puts the, me back the, to the, the a first part thing of my I life do where I raided like is, it was a full time you know, job. Feel like I need to barf, <laughs> I am a huge. That's a good thing. (laughs) Probably, I would say. I would say it's good. Sweet. Um, I'm a huge fan of Muse. Uh, I have been for a very long time, and Uh, so anytime they pop up, I'm I'm just super happy. So terrible. The only I know my like one uh, trivia knowledge thing I like to bring up for Muse is the the bassist has a patent for a specific (laughs) kind of bass guitar that has a uh, synthesizer iPad built into it so that he can do live dubstep uh, as an instrument instead of as a like recorded backup. That is cool as shit. If you ever want to see it, just look up uh, their SNL performance after um, s- the second law. The second law <laughs> is the album that came out. Uh, and and the the song is madness. Look up their SNL performance oh, yes. of madness, and he uses that iPad bass. Oh, oh that thing is that song was so polarizing in the Muse fan community too. What for? Why? I, a lot of old old hardcore Muse fans did not like it when it came out. It was bizarre. <laughs> I, I get it, but I'm also a big fan of bands changing their sound every Same. album. Like I. I never want to like peg a band into one specific thing. Yeah. That's why I like Panic at the Disco so much. They've never released the same album twice. Exactly. Um, yeah. So positives for Twilight. I, it. I don't hate any of it except mm-hmm. for some of the acting choices, <laughs> specifically in the beginning of the movie. Um, Bella and Edward are like awkward as fuck. The fact um, that they fucked in real life, like, it is so unbelievable. Watch that movie and then, t- like, tell somebody that knows nothing about those two human beings. These two people fucked after this movie and they'd be like, no, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, they, they have anti-chemistry mm. is what I would call it. <laughs> Which, like, I guess is kind of the text of the film. Like, Edward is actively trying to repulse her because she's so... Uh, attractive Safety. to him on a on a food level. I don't know, but <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, duh. I feel like I feel like that was like B camera. Like nobody told him they were rolling, and they just grabbed <laughs> that for a second. <laughs> he was like such a bad scene, burping oh. up his hangover from the previous oh. night. You know what I hate about that scene? Catherine Hardwick really put that motherfucking taxidermied owl behind Edward as though she was doing something with the angel imagery and then put that shit-ass look of repulsion on that handsome man's motherfucking face. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, I'm, I'm genuinely... Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm genuinely reaching. Uh, so, okay. L- so let Jessica's me, let me break a queen. It. Do what? Jessica is a queen. We Jessica is that. a queen. Anna Kendrick is a blessing to humanity. Um, de- back in the day, Devin made me watch Mr. Right, and she is just a gem. Mm-hmm. Just a gem. Um, I like her yeah. costumes in this film. <laughs> she, she does For get all the reasons. good outfits. Yeah, She gets all the good outfits. No one else gets a good outfit the entire film. 
<laughs> Even in a uh, in, in a surf suit, she's like serving yes. looks, totally Twilight. covered, S- starring Anna Kendrick's boobs. Um, yeah, if I had, if I had to break it down succinctly, mm-hmm. act one has a bunch of really fun stuff in it and mm-hmm. it's hard to be mad at it. Act two is where it starts to get tedious. Like imagine trying to like yeah. macho swerve your Volvo into a back parking lot to protect <laughs> Bella from bullies, rapists. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to believe from that scene. Act two is where it gets like goofy fun. Uh, act three is dog shit. Like I have nothing good to say about Act three. Realistically, Act one and two. Uh, act one is like like a genuinely entertaining time. That's the nicest thing I'll say about Twilight. Aaron, it's your turn. <laughs> um, I absolutely I have to bring attention back to the vampire baseball scene just because that that is just one of my favorite things. I've watched that so many times. I will just casually put it up on YouTube for shits and giggles because it gives me a thrill. Like, I, I do <laughs> wish... Like, I want the higher-budget version of that scene, but I don't know. Uh. I like baseball. I like vampires. I like supermassive black hole. You just cannot lose with that with that formula. <laughs> <laughs> Where else does that formula show up, Aaron? I'm curious. <laughs> I mean yeah, it's, my it's head so bad. a lot. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. those yeah. I'm interested in. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like the type of fan fiction that I'd write, not going to lie. Um, yeah, I, I do feel like there were a lot of attempts at things in this film that just didn't quite go anywhere. I feel like Catherine Hardwick looked at the material and was like, there's a lot of really rigid content for the main characters that basically has to be followed for the film to work. And you can't really play around with that too much. Yeah. Um, and then... All of these background characters, on the other hand, she had a lot more flex and fun and play with. And it it really kind of shows which characters are basically Stephanie Myers wrote them and which characters are a screenwriter wrote this in the background to fill in the rest of the plot. And um, whoever that person was that did that, they did a great job because it's hard. There's there's so... There's some parts in the source <laughs> material that are just so limiting because mm. you are really uh, the book is in Bella's first person perspective. Fantastic. So you've yeah. got to get all of this ideas that are in her head onto the film yeah. without I, having it just be a constant narration. I, and yeah. I think yeah. the I will say for Twilight characters he is one of the only people sort of who genuinely feels like he tried what the other whole people time. Think about Bella. Like I don't like, know how um, that man did not give, give up. But on what Bella thinks about herself. <laughs> they gave him the worst character. How they act in regards to her and how she plays off of them. Yeah, And, you know, you get all of these different layers of different, like, all of the parking lot scenes where you see all of the different teens reacting in their different ways to Bella are pretty good. So a lot of that stuff, I think, was is worthwhile. And a lot of that kind of stuff is what we really tried to build off of in the pitch. Yeah. I'm, uh, I actually, I need to back up for one second. Sure. Uh, off of that uh, uh, statement, the the overall casting is spot on. Yeah, my I only just think issue the direction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now, yeah, can the... I? 
Are we ready to go into negatives? I think this is a good segue into a really big negative. Well, you said you had a long list of positives. I am curious. Well, we've kind of gone through most of them already, so I kind of want to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No no, no need to retread. Um, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, My my only issue with the casting that will segue this into negatives. Taylor Lautner. um, (laughs) I mean, he looks like a sad puppy dog. All right. Yes. Um, So uh, the dude is probably a primo human being. I don't know. Um, if you look at his filmography, the man has made one Some good movie. <laughs> um, he needs a new agent or something. Well, I don't think he's a good actor. That's fair. I, I, I think he's a very pretty guy. Yeah. Um, he would probably kill it on a sitcom. I could totally see him like crushing a sitcom. I, I could see him playing like the Ted Mosby. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I just really Taylor Lautner, and and he's not even in this movie that much. I think yep. I'm just like having trauma from Breaking Dawn. That's that's very justified. Um, yeah, in, Taylor Lautner in, in is already like the, very the casting downside to this yeah. whole series because it, it literally, if you look at his filmography, half of the movies are Twilight related. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, and then what the I'm other half are things like everybody on set was uncomfortable, which, and then the way they shot it was the, movie, the most was uncomfortable way to shoot. Yes, that's the, fair. Cheaper by the Dozen sequel, Valentine's Day, which is one of those Hollywood uh, like um, holiday knockoff movies. Abduction, which I still have yet to get Devin to watch and fix. That's the only movie. That's the only movie I want Devin to fix on Film Rescue (laughs) next season. Abduction is hilariously stupid. Um, And then and then he's in Grown Ups 2 and The Ridiculous Six. So he's friends with Adam Sandler now, I guess. But yeah, yeah. cool. That's not really a Mark in somebody's favor. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I know why. Here's why. Because after the first film, he almost lost his job. That's why. He was working for his job. Because what the original plan for the Twilight series was, I I believe... I, I, yeah, I Don't it, quote me on the, ex- the specifics, jarring. but basically um, he was only going to play Jacob for the first I, film because they did not believe that he was going to get buff enough or like whatever, and he managed to meet whatever their fitness goals were and continue on with the series because a lot of the fans didn't want to see him recast. So I genuinely think that he was not intended as a full-time solution they were just going for somebody that could play the puppy dog part of jacob and then oh. they were gonna have like uh this movie would have worked better whatever, as grayscale you know? for as as gray Super as it already was just yeah. embrace it at that point oh uh, hollywood well, we're in the negatives end zone yes. now, so uh, let's let's so, pull the Band-Aid off real quick. Yeah, so one of the things that I think is the worst, and I was um, uh, this is what I was going to segue into from acting, is Ugh. all of these scenes are set up so that you've got two characters that are next to each other and kind of facing each other, but not, and kind of facing the camera, but not. Yeah. And you can make that work in some scenarios. It You can't do it. When you don't have good material and you have younger, inexperienced actors who aren't getting the best direction and who can't, like, make the role their own yet. You linger on these these long frames of just two characters side by side and you don't get good chemistry because they're not making eye contact yeah. with 
any ever like you you make eye contact when you're interested in people in general <laughs> they never really okay, make I'm, I'm eye contact bella looks at everything except for fucking edward the most, half the, the time. thing that has always driven me crazy about it yeah is a, <laughs> for a movie that is based entirely on relationships it somehow manages to make yeah. every major one toxic elaborate <laughs> like there there is no good relationship like really shown on film to any degree um mm-hmm. which just uh, kills okay, yeah, me and it's like uh, but that's yeah, that's also a complaint i have with set up like, like an acam bcam set up as a whole what the, anyways what the plan was um, there but i mean obviously there's all the all the classic yeah, stuff I, you know people so people, my my biggest complaint uh, with the shooting of this characters movie, the storyline um, leading nowhere i think it I think feels like the, like one of the PSA setups that or like is just HR videos at the time. Connected from reality, like, like it, it feels like movie is. somebody showed up with a camera like, and people like said things one of the, into the a microphone. Trademarks of a good fantasy is camera. that all the things that are not fantasy and are that, grounded. That's about in as inspired as it gets. But then this is like, you have no, alternatives like that. the There's baseball no scene here. or like the um, like. The, the van us, spinning out um, scene, which, which, which is shot like an Avengers movie. To put yourself <laughs> into it in any uh, real degree. One just, of my, I don't know. One of my I notes think that's part of the reason it's so actually, hard to remember. What like, genre is this film it, actually? Like fades mm-hmm. because, because at the beginning they really try very poorly to, to make it feel like a horror film. Like, oh, we don't know what Edward is. What the, the, like they they really push up the horror, the mystery, the big reveal, and all that jazz, and they lean hard into the horror film color palette to the point where there really isn't any visual distinction between Bella in Phoenix and Bella in Forks because it's all blue gray teal which like yeah yes yeah yeah <laughs> and well, like I I kind yeah. of respect I've them always been for not putting the piss filter the on Arizona like, to like make surfers. it look like Arizona. <laughs> Why did we not get a but moment right, with it is them kind being of like, bad surfers? Uh, like that's such a humanizing thing. Uh, yeah, and like I think <laughs> the book really you kind of have like the audience wants uh. to be led along in the mystery of Edward, whereas the movie. A, a lot of the people that are watching this movie are already familiar with the corpus or familiar with the vampire movies. They know that he's a vampire. And I really feel like if they would have leaned into this more hard as like a teen coming of age story mm. and gave it that kind of feel and put it in that sort of a genre that it would have felt like a better film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, yep. what didn't work about it for you, Devin, who has seen this many times? <laughs> Yeah, Laurent. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, there's there is listen, I've watched it too many times. There's no motivation for them at all. Like besides they are nomadic vampires who happen across the space, there's no driving force behind them.
Yes. Yeah. 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 For sure. I, I think like and and some of the like the the most connective tissue that I was finding was like when when they go surfing and Jacob and his buddies show up and they're like you know eating Twizzlers and talking about life in the town and you know uh, Bella's getting her eyes open to how things are actually kind of different around here. That's like the the most human stuff to me. And yep. if the movie were more of that, is I just definitely would have in a lot faster. You need a re- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, speaking of it, such another positive that's positive. When, when Bella falls and bites it when the ice, that's, <laughs> I love that scene. I thought it was a blooper for a second. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Yeah, I negatively, um, I'll bring up the baseball scene. Not for the baseball scene, but for what happens at the end of it. Yep. So this movie is described as a romantic fantasy film. Um, yeah. And then about an hour Ugh. and 20 minutes yeah, into it, the movie goes, you know. and suddenly there's a villain. <laughs> yeah. That shit. Don't fly with me. I'm sorry. I don't give a fuck about James Victoria or was it Laurent? Um, wh- yeah. Who are they? Why do I care? Why are there vampires here suddenly? I felt like Bella well, in that scene. I was like, none of this makes sense. Talk, and I guess yeah. this is our third act. Talk about like an absolutely nonsense moment too. The whole reason she has to like break Charlie's heart is so James doesn't come after Charlie, um, which makes like next to no sense. So, since James and it whole leads thing me into a like question, and this tracking, is like a, not an he's just going to follow Bella's genuine. She goes, I don't know the exactly Lord what question. he does, and they literally um, just lead them. Is there a reason why Edward can't read Bella's mind? Um, and is there a reason like, why it's not it's James? Not, he doesn't links to her scent more than any other human being in the world. All his sense of smell. Like, so it's Bella like, why? smells better than any other human being in the world. That's why, like <laughs> Edward, is repulsed by how delicious she smells and how he's repulsed yep, by his own yep. response I mean, to her welcome to the goodness. Fandom. Basically, she smells like fucking filet mignon to vampires is one of her like character traits. Yeah, so I get that. Is is it explained why though? Is it like is she important in some way? Is there something about her that makes her that way or is it just happenstance? Yeah. She's just kind of naturally inclined to being good to be a vampire and they kind of hint at that with the other characters because you know each of the vampires has a power in their vampirism. So mm-hmm. Bella when she becomes a vampire she's very protective and basically she's had a shield over her mind and she can as a vampire expand that shield to protect her family from threats both psychological and physical. Okay so that makes sense as to why Edward yes. can't read her mind. Okay, so yeah. that question is answered. But her yep. her like tastiness is just her I don't nature. Think so I think that's just yep. 
Okay. Much. And, and like, I, I, I'm fine with that. I just, I wish that had been text. So it was like, if there was like literally a single line of, hey, so the Collins are like these vegetarian vampires. However, if you ever run into real vampires, we need to protect her because they're yeah. not going to be able to resist this filet mignon. If that were like like objective text, I have no questions. Instead, the movie just, I think, assumes that I know that. And then suddenly <laughs> James just gets a good whiff. Uh, and And now we're in act three. And it turns into Buffy. Like, literally, the end of the movie is just Buffy. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and this is this is why I said Act 3 is kind of dog shit. Um, the, their plan, the, the way things work out, she, like, leaves for a minute and then comes back. And uh, we do get that very fun scene of her returning to the house for a second. And Charlie's just like, uh, "What? I thought you liked this guy. What? <laughs> like, he's just <laughs> so oblivious. I really did enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, this is this is like completely disconnected from the movie outside of the actress. Just because we mentioned Rosalie, I started looking at the cast list. Nikki yeah. Reed, who plays right. her, looks like a different person. I don't know what well, happened in that movie. Because they have Rosalie rub up person. on the tree. Also, by the way, Rosalie, hot. Mm, That's my opinion. She was uh, caked up for that baseball uh, game, and I appreciate that. Yes. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm never going uh, to complain about putting pretty much anybody in baseball pants. It's true. They just make everyone look better. Pretty much, like they're great for the ass. Um. Yeah. Uh. Aaron, how about you? What are some some negatives of yours? From this so, movie. Um, yeah, so if you are currently listening to this podcast and you have never seen pictures of the Ho rainforest, that is spelled H-O-H, go Google it now. Um, it is about a million times prettier than any of the forests that they used for this actual film, and it is literally in forks. So why did we not tr <laughs> at least try to emulate the way that looks? Like, the right. Ho rainforest looks like something out of Jurassic like not Jurassic Park, the Jurassic era. Like yeah. it's got all of these like mm -hmm. nice leafy ferns and all of these like just plants that you don't really see that many places out other than that. It's such an interesting biome. And even if they couldn't get permission to film there, if they could get something, some way to make it look the same, yeah. because it looks like the type of place an ancient being would be attracted to, and it makes the story that much more interesting and compelling and believable. Well, it looks like a Swamp yeah. Thing location. Like It does. <laughs> it really does. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, one of my big complaints is that I swear they blew the entirety of their music budget trying to get all the licensed sound, so then they just didn't have a, like, background soundtrack fund because there's just a lot of times where it's like this scene would be really emotionally evocative if there was music or you know this scene is pretty awkward but you can diffuse tension with music 
Right. One of the best examples of this is that scene where Bella is like uh, in be- Edward's bedroom and she's like turning on his music to see what he's listening to. <laughs> people like making that into a meme and like people have had like it. Uh, they've replaced the music with wet ass pussy and stuff like that. I love and that meme. Those, they're so good. <laughs> They're so good, and it just shows that, like, a little bit of music really probably could have gone a long way to making this movie feel ever so slightly less awkward throughout a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh... Yeah. Oh, she does. <laughs> yes yes oh um i have to give this dialogue credit because so bella's i don't really like the rain any cold wet thing is really ah! the i don't like sand it's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere of twilight yep yep yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh some of this dialogue is just so bad like I get yes. that you are an adult and a Mormon <laughs> from, from adult, Mormon. but maybe did you consider yeah. talking to a teenager and seeing if uh, this is how they speak? Yeah. You know, it's 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 probably a good time <laughs> to bring up um, Stephanie Meyer's Mormon. Yeah, and just, and just as, as part of this whole negative thing, the whole them being in high school. Indirectly, a lot of... They put their, their ages at 17. oddities for a minute. Under the excuse um, as that we peel back they can the stay in a place longer. There is no reason if you so, move that to 18 Edward and they Collins didn't have to go to school that you would have to leave any sooner. Yep. One more year is not going to make a difference and there with you not changing. Mm-hmm. And and the vampire cover is, well, you look young, so we're just going to keep sending you to school to fit in? Yeah, it's super gross. Like, if she was an adult, it would be marginally, marginally less weird, but she's a literal child. They had yeah. to put her in high school. Like, c- couldn't you just put her in college for fuck's sake? Which is what we did in our other fix, which we did yeah. for Breaking Dawn fixes. We made her older. Um, exactly. And uh, just, but yeah. And but just, it doesn't. But it doesn't like end there. I wish it them. ended there. I really did. Mm-hmm. But the movie, the catty has- relationships between women, like even. I, you're supposed to believe that her and Jessica and whoever that other chick are are like f- friends, but they just don't come off as well, friends. You know, maybe it's, it is. You can tell that Stephanie has only ever been in relationships <laughs> where women have like dogged one another and <laughs> like put down, put each other down and stuff like that. Because like, oh yeah, you can see that like Jessica yeah. no, kind of yeah, secretly yeah. wants Bella to Talk fail. About <laughs> yeah, like especially with Mike Newton and stuff like that. And I get it, but. Girls aren't always like that. They're not often like that. It, right. There were no wholesome relationships in here. And it's really telling um, that the best characters in this are the old men. Like, I really feel like ah. the only people that Stephanie really respects are old men. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They're the only characters that are fully actualized yeah. beings. But so I, I, the the age difference is the thing I got hung yep. up on the, on the last episode this mm-hmm. movie straight up makes it text yeah. because charlie goes isn't that edward guy like too old for you huh. yep um that's not the joke that you think it is well they make a lot of things text like jessica is like um like all of the things about 
talk pointing out how weird it is that they are the foster kids but also they're dating i think i would have been more comfortable if the movie would have just been like they're foster kids okay they're dating don't talk Uh, about it don't be like oh like isn't that kind of weird isn't that like against the law like so like don't bring attention to that i forgot about the incest stuff that's right i forgot (sighs) yeah <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What well, I'm I'm just I'm curious as to the the logic behind that decision because he's 108. I assume he's assumed different um, identities across yeah. the years, right? It's not like there's a census taker that's <laughs> tracking down the Cullen family to yeah. be like, oh, you just moved into a new place. Yeah, how is, old are your is, kids? Are it, they going to go mean, to school? The, the reality you is, figure this is out? Like, and actually, that might movie. add something to the series to have just, just this like dedicated census. Everything taker. else is what drives that. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. Th- like, if you move in somewhere, you don't have to like register your kids. That's yeah. That's not how moving but, works. I mean. <laughs> That kind of speaks to a larger problem, though. Like, we need more movies. Oh, true. Yeah, they do yeah. own a lot of your information. Because, like, yeah. YA fiction is I just huge recently now learned you have to such buy a broad your spectrum, but Mormon it Church. exists because originally it was written for mm. girls. And there's Yikes. fantastic authors in it. And, and I mean, there's there's a history of that, <laughs> yep. though, things um, being targeted at, especially yeah. at young women and being. So, let, down let, upon me, until let, it let me go off on my, so. my quick little soapbox. Um, Unfortunately, there was a time in America known as 2008 where hating on Twilight was like the cool thing to do. And I don't think this movie deserved that. Nope, really didn't. It's just really mediocre. I mean, that's the thing. If this if this was male oriented education (laughs) or entertainment, we would have forgotten about it by now. That's the truth. This would have just been one of those mediocre B-grade films that people just forget about. But it's almost interesting that because it got hate so much that it kind of developed this legacy that outshone what it really deserves. It's so funny because I used to defend this because I thought it got attacked and it didn't deserve it. Because of misogyny, but now I'm like, wait a minute. The the the, the thing is, the uh, the, the yeah. pendulum is kind of swinging back uh, just, a little just bit for too a fun, far. Fun little, uh, it's getting a little bit more credit than it deserves. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. I, I, I don't played, think it needs to be um, like pedestaled in any played, way at all. Geez, um, but like uh, Carlisle, the, the fact that Peter, Robert I have Pattinson no idea how you pronounce his last got name. a bunch Peter of something. guff for being cast as Batman <laughs> because of uh, this movie. He also started in a movie. I guess a Kristen documentary Stewart about being Nexum. pegged as like a bad actress the, because she was in yeah, a series it, of movies yes. built uh, on yeah, the terrifying poor scripts. Like sex slave. Not fault. her fault. Uh, <laughs> I saw Underwater. She fucking kicks ass. Like yep. yes, yep. And, and I don't think anyone yeah. besides Taylor Lautner uh, is a bad actor in this movie. It's wild. Like, but it's just sorry. a bad movie Fun to time. be in. And and I would also like to point out, disaster movie came out 
at the same time as Twilight. <laughs> and Disaster Movie Ooh. is a cinematic abortion. I mean, anytime you like have vampires, there's got to be like placental fluid in cinematic <laughs> version on screen. And Twilight's no the one that got the hate Ugh. because it's like, eh, and it's for girls. Yep. What? <laughs> Yep. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I wish I could say it was poorly edited. It's not. Mm. Um, it's just th- aggressively mediocre. It's yeah. really aggressively mediocre. <laughs> nice. Yep. Yeah. 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 That feels. Yeah. yeah. Um, my only other complaint, and I'll, I'll let you guys finish out this section. My only other complaint Generally is a bad idea. Um, this movie might beat Lord of the Rings: uh, Return of the King for longest ending. Like from from the point where Bella gets the venom sucked out to the end of the movie is yeah. like almost another full twenty minutes. It's weird. It's almost got a full act four. It's it got really like an epilogue. Do- it really does. <laughs> and and that's where I was like, I was uh, literally the, uh. on the high watch specifically. I was like checking the time and I was like, how is there another fucking twenty minutes? We just wrapped <laughs> the shit up. Oh, the first watching that I did when I was writing the yeah. pitch, I watched the three hours that's the freaking movie and then all of the special features. Yeah. After. Oh. It's, it's, oh. It's definitely not bad enough pain, to drive you away. Apparently. It just, I mean, apparently same. enough to make you want to stay. So it, it ends up in a weird space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fascinelli. Oh, the cult. Well, that was a Smallville yeah. actress was basically part of oh, the people yeah. that was running. Especially like with that Bella whole, being like, so all of the awkward. documentaries I on that, I am obsessed that with. Like, okay. Yeah, like everybody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna take you seriously ever. Damn. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's really that's fun or not. Needs. But... This movie needs oh, a no. cult. God, why yep. didn't I put a cult in my pitch? Because it means nothing. How did we, Devin, how did you and I make an entire movie pitch without including a single cult? <laughs> Um, the the uh, the guy that played Eric, um, Justin Chon. I love him. He's wonderful. He has mm-hmm. a really fun movie called Twenty One and Over about him turning. It, it's all about um, uh, a- Asian parent ex- expectations, and he goes on a fucking bender on his twenty first birthday, and it's all about his friends just trying to like corral him, and it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds amazing. It, it is a it is a very good time. I, I cannot. Uh, Miles Teller was in that too. That's right. I forgot. Um, it's a wonderful film. But uh, yeah, the, uh, no no issues with the cast besides Taylor Lautner. Yeah. 
I hate to be that I would guy, agree. but I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> and he um, dated Taylor Swift, which was oh, what a time that was. You two people should date because you have the same first name. Been there, done that. It sucks. Don't do it. <laughs> Awful. Worst idea. Yeah. Same. Any any final closing thoughts, negatives, positives, or otherwise on Twilight the film? No. No, this wasn't as bad as I, as you thought it was, would be, wasn't it? I, I really hope this is the theme for Spider-Man 3 because apparently I just signed up to be tortured for the end of this season. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I, I I can't say I I can confidently say I've had much worse times on this show for other yes, movies. Yes, that is truth. I actually made it through this movie many times. Which there's been a couple of movies I haven't made through. Uh. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, the the teen comedy version of this, like a little bit of levity, Ooh. I think, is the only thing this yes. movie really could have like grabbed onto. Because the funny stuff is here; it's just not highlighted as funny. Yeah, yep. And yeah. I think some of it it, of, it just of comes all off the, as of all instead. the novels yeah. that did not need exactly. to be expanded into and, multiple and again, movies. Like fucking Edward is one of them, drifting <laughs> yeah. with, with his I mean, Volvo. And, and I am the guy who always pushes lot. for make your that, first book two like, movies. The presentation the is so serious, and I was like, this should have just been the comedy bit. Like this is the funny stuff. Also, I somehow thought sparkly vampires was uh, going to be we more of a thing. Worse. It's literally a single shot of the movie. <laughs> yeah. I- I'm not sure. Well, How did that get keyed into as like the meme factory when vampire baseball was right there the whole time? <laughs> I, I like I think everybody the the vampire sparkly thing was from the books. Like, that had become a meme on the internet from before the movie came out. So, like, I think the movie was just damned. Yeah. Well, and, like, I I enjoy the subversion, for sure. Like, vampires don't need to burst into flame in the sun. That could be, like, a a funny, silly thing. I don't know if garlic comes up at any point across the series, but um, that's another one that could be, like, just a funny, like, one-off, like, no, yeah, we make fucking Italian food all the time. Garlic's awesome. (laughs) I like those subversions, but uh, yeah, it was it was just. Think, it, I've it, noticed that recently, most of the stuff that I like is things that subvert expert expectations. Oh yeah, absolutely. But you didn't like the Last Jedi, Aaron. I'm disappointed. <laughs> uh, Somehow, I got Star Wars into Twilight. Yeah, I don't know how that happens. <laughs> yeah, um, t- Twilight. I think that's everything I had to say about Twilight. What? Well, Watch the first eighty minutes, drunk or high, and have a good time. You don't have to finish the movie if you don't want to. That feels like a weird pitch to me. Just like the, the beginning is a good time, the end is dumb. So you know, your mileage may vary. That's true, though. I, I, I wish I had something more damning to say, but I just I don't. Now, I want to make a list that's called the 80 minutes list, and it's just a list of films that you only watch the first 80 minutes of. Reign of Fire. <laughs> Twilight. 
<laughs> Phantom Menace. The Perfect. Hobbit, because then you just walk out. Oh, yeah. There's... I, I'm glad we haven't fixed the Hobbit on this show because my my pitch Don't is say it, it somebody's gonna want to fix it. Well, it, 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 well, here's the fix: make it one movie. Yeah, pretty much. the The book is like 300 pages long. Make it one movie. Exactly. Especially three. No. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For real. All right. Well, let's um, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, Aaron and Devin are going to fix Twilight. That's a that's a bold statement. Actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, that is a bold statement. But yep. I'm I'm. We did it. <laughs> it's true. I'm here for the ride. Um, in the meantime. You can help us out by going to our Patreon on patreon.com slash Media. Access is a single dollar. But uh, if you don't feel like doing that, you can check out one of our friends during this ad break. Hello, all you kings, queens, and those in between. Friend of the film rescue show, Paresh Maharaj here. You've probably heard me on the Bohemian Rhapsody and Pacific Rim Uprising episodes. And hey, if you liked what you heard there, I have some good news. I have my own podcast. It's called Busted Limes, where me and my co-host Black Belt and the occasional guest discuss all things nerdy, be it superhero movies, kaiju, anime, video games, you name it. We're available on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. So, what are you waiting for? Come bust a line with us. Welcome back to the show. We're talking Twilight in the shop tonight. I'm joined by Aaron and Devin, and uh, they're going to fix this show. So, it's now... Or fix this movie. Now it's your show. show. I I got those back. We're going to fix this show. Not that that doesn't also need to happen sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) We we are accepting applications for the new host of Film Rescue Show. Sweet, me. I'll take it. The the final episode of the Film Rescue Show ever will be the Film Rescue Show rescues the Film Rescue Show. Yeah, how do we fix this shit? It's it's too meta. Oh, I love it. It's just meta enough. (laughs) Um, so first of all, we're ditching Jivenich Kenningmonton bull. That bullshit needs to end. <laughs> For real. Can we just? Because I got it. hate it. It's not a thing. Who, Can we stop trying to make fetch happen? <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Man, it almost feels like Mean Girls could have been happening in the background of Twilight, though, doesn't it? Oh, my it? gosh. That is a way better movie. Twilight with Mean Girls in the background? They're I just wonder if you uh, edit the two movies together and make that work. You know, if you throw the right filter on Mean Girls, you probably could. I think you probably could. I love it. Yeah. All right, that's that's my fix. We're done. Let's go home. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, Aaron, I think it's your pitch. So, uh, yep. Take it away. Yeah. So, um, a lot of times I do a page one rewrite, and that just seemed way too easy for me. So, what I did with this pitch is I looked at Twilight and I broke it down to it's either 13 or 14 component scenes that are like, these scenes need to happen to make this Twilight. And I have to keep those scenes in the movie, but recontextualize them and still make my movie make sense. So it's like a challenge pitch. <laughs> nice. 
so perfect. There's a lot of weak points to Twilight, um, but there's some really interesting lore there between like the vampires and the werewolves and everything like that. So with the caveat that we are absolutely going to bring somebody in who like is an expert in indigenous culture so we can keep the werewolves respectful and stuff like that. We're going to take the existing lore and build off of it in a way that adds a system of checks and balances. Hmm. That system of checks and balances is the Hunters, a Van Helsing-inspired hereditary trait that gradually awakens the longer one is exposed to supernatural beings like werewolves and, and vampires. Interesting. The swans are descended from a line of Hunters but have forgotten their place in hunter society as none have encountered supernaturals for several generations. Now it's only whispers, family myths, and that kooky uncle story. So nowadays the family works in guardian and protector roles like military, police, firefighters, etc. And this explains a couple of really important things. So it explains why Charlie seems stuck to Forks. Okay. Why Bella is drawn there too why the Cullens and Jacob are so innately interested in Bella, who just isn't that super interesting. And it also kind of gives us a way for Bella to sort of know, like, maybe how to fight some, or, like, at least how to defend herself, protect herself, because dad's a cop, like, everybody in the family tends to do, like, law enforcement, that type type of role. So, like, this is just something that, you know, you grow up in the family. Um, It also, it's going to even the power imbalance with the characters that are supernatural, and um, it will give us the ability to keep Charlie with Bella while she grows and develops as a character. It, it, It just really blows that his character just gets screwed the entirety of the fucking movie. <laughs> He's the Miles yes. O'Brien of Forks. <laughs> um... The biggest change that I'm going to make is that we are going to treat Forks like a character itself, kind of like the house in Crimson Peak. So it's going to have its own, like, you know, make sure we set it up, make sure that it develops along with the plot. And also, we're going to really take advantage of that hoe rainforest to kind of set that aesthetic. We're going to minimize the amount of scenes that take place in the school because they're ugly. Um, Yeah. True. And um, so that's kind of like the foundational what you need to know before we get into the pitch. Any like questions, comments, concerns before we... Uh, I like it so far. Um, The the Van Helsing aspect I think would be a fun twist. I don't know I I don't know where it lands in your presentation um if it's early or later but I I like the twist idea of like oh this is why Bella's important. I, I like that idea. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, we start with a brief scene of the incorporation of Forks back in roughly the 1940s with Edward's voiceover. We see humans coming together, signing documents, building the town hall, and putting up a sign that welcomes you to Forks. Then you see a vampire and two humans standing in a clearing at the Ho Rainforest. You can tell by their stance and their demeanor that they're cautious around each other. A human pricks their finger to put blood mark on the contract, and the vampire instinctively hisses before getting themselves under control. As the contract is signed, the vampire runs away at super speed, the, and one human shifts into a werewolf before departing. The other human remains. While this is happening, Edward's voiceover gives some information about him. Over 100 years, he's been on this earth, and since one fateful moment when he was turned, he's never had silence in his head. You see Edward moving through the school. At first, the sound is muted, but as Edward sees the other kids talking excitedly about something, he lowers his mental barriers, and the audience can hear thoughts filtering throughout the, through the students at the school. 
There's the usual teen stuff, school world, school woes, does this outfit look good? But increasingly, he hears bits and pieces about this new girl, Bella. She's the sheriff's kid. She's cute. Like, she's different. She's not like any of the other girls. So this makes Edward interested in Bella just from a, okay, why are the other kids interested in Bella from the beginning? Hmm. Um, this kind of brings us into... I, sorry, did I... Sorry, just small small question in regards uh-huh. to this. Um, cause I love it, but I'm, I'm assuming this is also establishing Edward's general disconnection from everybody. Yep. Like his lack of, like, he doesn't even understand that Bella's new mm-hmm. outside of maybe somebody mentioning it. Cause he doesn't know the kids in his school. Yeah. I think that's good. Okay. I cool. think that, I think it's a, I think, um, that when you film it, you can have, uh, you can kind of show his emotional detachment by how he's responding to, like, maybe these kids are thinking some things that are like, just truly like, um, like, God, I I hope mom doesn't smack me when I come home. Like that's that's awful. But just the first example that came to mind. Yeah. And and Edward just doesn't respond at all. Like something that a normal human, yeah. if they overheard, would be like, "Fuck!" Like maybe I should do something about that. He's just like, "Whatever." Cool. Yeah. Love just, that. Just uh, for for the vampire vibe, like where they where they sit in this town still. Mm-hmm. But dope. Yeah. So then we're going to go into that science lab scene, which I call the revulsion scene. So Edward sees Bella for the first time, instantly clocks her as a motherfucking threat. Mm. And that's why he acts repulsed and tries to change his class. You see that scene where they try to switch, uh, where, he, where he tries to switch class. And this is a question for you, Seth. At this point, we're going to switch character perspectives to Bella. And I'm trying to decide, like, as a director, how am I going to change my character perspective to Bella in some sort of interesting way? Ooh, um, let's 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 do a midsummer. Let's have uh, Edward go into a bathroom, and uh, geographically, the boys and girls' bathrooms are next to each other, and he mm-hmm. sit he sits at the adjacent wall to Bella's, and she went in there for like a moment of respite from all of these like new people that she doesn't like, you know, kind of maybe a mm-hmm. pre-anxiety attack. And the camera yeah. goes to like a, a, a God's eye view, switches and spins over into Bella. So like visually now she is in the position that uh, Edward was in a minute ago. And and then as she gets up and leaves the bathroom, now we're visually following her and the yeah. point of view can just shift from there. I think that would... And I like that because that's really good because one of the concerns that I had is that you don't see Ed- Bella's first day at school this way, but that conveys the emotion that it's not a good first day at school. Yes, because exactly. Because she's in the bathroom fucking yeah. freaking out. Exactly. So... I. I also, like, as part of this, so th- this is obviously a really important moment in establishing... The relationship. So we got, we have Edward f- feeling threatened. Yeah. Um, we're also, we're also, we are showcasing here that he can't read her mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's going to be silent. But, yeah, which is going to be wild. But what other ways are we kind of presenting just how threatened he feels besides just him acting like this repulsed kind of, you know, I don't know, re- like he, him rejecting the moment. What makes us realize, because, you know, it's the, it's always, it's the trope of like, how do you know a powerful character is powerful? Well, when other people we know are powerful are scared of them. Yeah. But you have to establish that. And it's, it's typically done through conversation, which we're not having here. 
So what is the Ooh. moment that makes us realize like, oh, he's genuinely Bella is clumsy. Bella, Bella is clumsy. Bella trips and her books fall heavily down on the desk next to him and he flinches. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I like that because it's not too over the top because we don't want to we don't want to play our hand too much too early. Yeah. But I think you're right. Absolutely. We need him to respond in some way that's really. Yeah. And I think if if every other moment in the school that we watch him prior, he's very like confident mm-hmm. in like owning the whole space. And then suddenly he's like giving over the space you know, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. A good That's first indicator. Exactly. Which is why I went with your suggestion of starting out with Edward, because I like the idea of Bella stealing the narrative from Edward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you had mentioned nope. starting with Edward just for like, a, because the b- beginning of the movie is boring. And I'm like, Oh, but what, ha- but how am I? And they're like, wait a minute. I like this. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, no, I like, I like the way you expanded cool. on it. It's awesome. Cool. Okay. So then we're switching perspectives to Bella. She goes home from school. Charlie's not home. The house is cold. So she goes outside to see if there's any firewood. Um, The logs haven't been split yet. So she sets up a log. She's awkwardly hefting this axe that's a little bit too big for her. And she attempts to split it. But she just doesn't quite have enough force. Something that Jacob mentions as he walks up behind her. You want me to do that for you? And Bella shakes her head. No, no, I've got it. I'm fine. Her tone's not confident. Still, she brings the axe down decisively, splitting the wood. Okay, okay. This is super important. In what tone does Jacob ask this? Is this is this establishing Jacob as an overly confident dick teenager, or is this Jacob genuinely caring and trying to be helpful? Mm, good question. Because Jacob... I'm thinking that Jacob hasn't fully awakened... Jacob probably isn't to the point in his wolf lore where he knows about hunters yet. So and he's really not awakened yet at this point either. So he probably still yeah. sees her as just little girl. Hmm. Or well, so well, well got, teenage he's... girl, cute friend, maybe Boinky. <laughs> Damn, my childhood friends got hot. What the fuck? <laughs> Actual audio of the inside of Jacob's brain. <laughs> just white noise. <laughs> Jacob brain goes. Brr. I'm thinking it's like a gentle teasing because a lot of his demeanor towards her is very gentle and teasing in the first movie. And I kind of want to keep him in that role just because Edward is such a dick. And I like that juxtaposition. He's the nice boy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Good question. Uh, So Billy has come with Jacob to drop off the truck and they set up a fire pit outside. Um, uh, Billy says, your dad is caught up at work. He didn't want you to be alone your first uh, afternoon alone after school. Bella blows off her dad as overprotective, but there's something about her that seems grateful as she says, you know, I've always loved your stories. And he says, well, then I'll tell you one. And then you just see like the beginning of a story about maybe wolves and hunters and something like that. <laughs> Foreshadowing or something. Yeah. Do you have a, yeah. have a good story idea, Devin? I know you're good at those. Yeah. I mean... I, I like the idea of like leaning into maybe take maybe take a classic indigenous like story mm-hmm. and just find something that like fits with the themes and just altered it enough, especially since we're just getting in the beginning of it to introduce the idea that like the supernatural things are real. Yeah. Um, I don't even think you necessarily need like an establishment of like werewolves, vampires, hunters, but like hey, they're like the the things that we always write off as fake are real just to introduce that first moment um, before we dive properly into the deeper lore. De- yeah. Devin, it sounds like uh, you're pitching the opposite of the 
um, story from X-Men Origins Wolverine, where they're talking about the Wolverine in a very awful, disrespectful way to indigenous people. Just It sounds like the opposite of that. So I'm just curious, why do you want to do things correctly? <laughs> Damn Devin, uh, his know. personal I, I, sense of morals. Because I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just terrible at this whole thing. Um, yeah, never especially since we're going to get like... Yeah. yeah, I know. Especially since we're going to get uh, like some a little bit of like flashbacks to these stories and a little reference to them later on. Yeah. That's when you can start diving deeper into details. Yep. Um, it also give us a really good chance to see Bella react to the idea of supernatural things yep. in a like you know kind of brushing it off kind of way. Yeah, I like that. Uh, like I like all oh, these are just silly old stories, and he's like, "That's what you think." <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so then we cut to later that evening. Charlie takes Bella to the diner. The other kids are all hanging out there, and there's an obvious distance between Bella and the rest of the kids from school. The teenagers make to exit the diner, and Jessica is about to leave with them, but thinks twice about it and stops by Bella's table while Charlie is in the bathroom. We're doing a bonfire down by La Push tonight if you want to come by. Um, this is going to be an added La Push scene. Um, I, I I think two of them. Um, I love this scene, too, because it is... Like it establishes Jessica mm-hmm. as like someone who genuinely cares about people, yeah, right off the bat, and it 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 allows us to make up for all of the time that we lost by cutting out all of that bullshit in school that's boring and ugly. <laughs> so yes. I like that. Um, then you see Bella on La Push Beach. Her friends are throwing a proper beach razor rager. These are fucking teen teen that seniors in high school or juniors. They're they're far through high school. There should be, the like, a bonfire. There should be things exploding. There should be kids throwing things that they shouldn't be throwing into the fire in the fire. People should be parkouring. One dude. Yeah. There's got to be one dude trying to pee in the fire yes. and, like, making it hard. Somebody is, like, doing backflips in the sand because you can't break your neck in the sand. You know? I want this yeah. to look like a teenager party. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, as, as wild and crazy, and a, particularly a teenager party in the middle of nowhere where they know they can get away with it. Exactly. Do, do you know yeah. what kids that have, like, okay, th- dad's at work, dad, I, I have a car, there's nothing but beach and other teenagers for miles. It's going to yeah. be like... I grew up around rednecks. I know what it looks like. <laughs> it's going to be very <laughs> slutty, too. I'm just pointing that out there. It's not going to be Stephanie Meyer approved. But they're 18. <laughs> they're all 18. Uh, yeah. Bella's. That, that would make all of this way more comfortable. Yes, I know, right? Bella is sitting by herself until Jessica realizes and brings her a Coke. It's got to be weird moving somewhere so diff- different, she says. Because I can see Anna Kendrick really playing this role, like, so good in my head. That makes it easier to write it. So then you see a scene that establishes James and Victoria. Um, this is the in the actual movie. This is where they kill the dude at Grisham Mill and it gets investigated. And you really see that very briefly. But I want to see this. And, and, and I don't really have this fleshed out too much. So I'm going to I'm going to posit this to the rest of the audience. Um, what is a good way to establish James and Victoria's character before they kill the dude at the Grisham Mill? So, okay, this maybe this is terrible, but maybe it could work. So we know James is a hunter, and he's like the pivot of their group in this scene. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see some introduction of him um, 
somehow catching wind of Bella or the hunters or the area in general, some indicator as to why they're being drawn here mm-hmm. in this moment. Um, and that way, when we get to that first death, we we understand that it is collateral uh, yeah. as opposed to happenstance. I sense a disturbance in the force. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I have a piggyback idea on that. Um, so yeah. to introduce the idea that he is in some way, shape, or form a better vampire, I guess is the way the film kind of phrased it. He's, he's faster, yeah. he's smarter. He's a more he, vampire vampire. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. to establish that, there should be a vampire that's like in relation to the Collins, and th- there might be a character in the book. I don't know. I'm just I, this is screenwriter producer Seth who knows nothing about Twilight, <laughs> just introducing movie things. Okay, now J.J. Abrams, right? Uh, so <laughs> there there should be some kind of vampire that's related to the Collins in some way that gets hunted in the beginning that can Ooh. show why. Or maybe not a vampire. Maybe a familiar is probably a better thing. Some kind of like familiar, and they get hunted by uh, what's his uh, James. They get yeah, James. they get yeah. hunted by James to yeah. show, and maybe um, Victoria or uh, Laurent can like express. Oh shit, he's he's a different thing. Like this is the next level. Mm-hmm. This is an in uh, a force to be reckoned with. And, or you know, and it you, draws them back into forks because this familiar is related to that area. Yeah, well, especially if the the familiar is like fleeing towards yeah, forks. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I could. The only the only thing that I worry about is how we set up that character before we get to this point in the movie, which is pretty early. Uh, high school student. I, think, <laughs> I don't even think. I don't even thing, think we need one, necessarily so, uh, to establish. Thing, Sorry, I think at this ahead. point we just need to establish that James is a threat and a big threat. Totally. And I yeah. think if James is hunting another vampire and the dude, the human at the Grisham Mill that's killed is just collateral damage, that that would show him as a really veritable threat. Yeah, I can. I, I mean, yeah. I can see that. The, uh, the The issue with the scene as it presents in the movie is... It, it's so quick. Well, you it, don't really know what's happening. It, it's Okay, another idea. Mm-hmm. Slight alteration to what we were talking about. What if instead of, we don't even have to worry, they're hunting a vampire, Mm -hmm. but as they're, like, in a full blood, like a blooded vampire, because at this point, vampires hunt humans, right? So now we're watching a vampire hunt a vampire. Mm -hmm. This is, is like, the first thing on the stage, which tells us right away that this is a different class, right? You're not, he's not hunting weak, weak being. Partway through this pursuit... He catches whiff of something and changes course. Yeah. Releasing his prey to pursue something else. And then that through that process, they get they get brought to the mill. And through a conversation, we can kind of introduce what's going on because he's gonna ha- obviously have to then explain to Victoria. Convince Yeah, to convince Victoria to give up the hunt they were on, um, to go elsewhere. And in that way, we establish right off the bat, like his thing is taking on powerful beings in the hunt is this whole thing and he's good at it mm-hmm. i like that um i like that what i was gonna say for the for the movie the the is it a sawmill or a something like that yeah um, it's, it's, uh, it's a timber it's a timber area yeah, so it's yeah. sawmill. so yeah. that that scene is presented as ambiguous to make you doubt if it's edward doing the killings mm-hmm. or someone else that does that doesn't need to come into play 
I don't no. I don't think that's important. No. I think establishing that it is James and Victoria and Laurent exactly. uh, in that scene makes them a ominous looming threat. So it's like, yeah. oh, something big is closing in instead of trying to make it this like ominous, oh, did Edward do that? And then when he says he's a vegetarian, it's like, well, obviously he didn't or he's a liar. Mm-hmm. So we can't like him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I would also really like in this scene to see the kill happen to somebody a bit more capable um, as opposed like because the dude in the boat's kind of dopey um, and like. It doesn't feel prepared. Yeah. But if you're, if the first kill is like at that sawmill and it's maybe uh, a security guard or like one of the sawmill workers, somebody who is like legitimately built Just a from beefy their job. lumberjack. <laughs> yeah. And like, so when they come and this big dude is not scared of them because he's never had to be scared of anybody in his mm-hmm. life, it's, it gives us a more satisfying death and a, a better establishment of how dangerous vampires are to humans. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Um, so from there, we go back to Edward and Bella, who are going to be in the science lab doing their science experiment well, because he's decided that even though she's a threat, maybe that's what he's into. <laughs> Wait, is he, um, are they, at- they going to get the Onion Award on screen in this version? I think so, maybe. (laughs) But then, like, Edward just, like, fucking throws in. It's like, I'm not carrying this shit around all day. Uh, Alice is waiting for Edward after class. She looks at uh, Bella and says, does she know? Edward shakes his head. I don't think so. Um, Next scene is the car accident scene. And I'm kind of keeping that and the field trip scene pretty much like they are just with better acting and like like filming and stuff like that because they really do set Edward up as this gaslighting controlling prick yeah and in order for him to like have the character development that we need to have him have he needs to start out being a dick so I kind of just want to keep all of that stuff um Edward sneaks into Bella's room for the first time, but we just see it for a quick moment. Um, Then Bella goes to the diner with her friends. They're in trying to incorporate her into their friend group, but it's obviously there's a barrier there. Um, Jessica's trying to kind of like bring her in to kind of be more communicative with the rest of the group. I'm really trying to show like that their friend circle is developing. And this kind of scene is going to migrate into, like, they're going to leave the diner kind of more unified as a group and then go to La Push Beach. And it's going to be a different scene this time where, you know, she's actually enjoying the things with her friends. Like, people are trying to surf. Like, she's with them. Jacob shows up and... He does take her aside and, like, discuss the lore of the area and everything like that, except he's talking about the the triad and the balance of power and how the three forces are necessary within Forks because Forks is a ley line, which is a place that is said to have, um, you know, just mysterious and mystical powers. Um, any questions from there? So far, I'm on board. Cool, yeah. Um, 
then we have the situation where um, Edward sneaks into our bedroom and she catches him. And that's going to be the first situation where Bella actually develops a spine. When she catches him and finds out that Bella, that he's been like in her bedroom at night, she's going to set like an actual hard boundary and be like, this is not okay. Like, I get that you're protective of me and everything like that. But like, whatever you're doing this whole situation, it's not, it's not, it's not it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I also think this would be a great moment to kind of um, like she's obviously woken by his presence, but establish it as like a, a bit of a like not just he made a sound, but like the very presence of a vampire here triggers her. Mm-hmm. You know, like a I'm trying to think of it. You know, it's like a defensive thing being that her she's a hunter, like she's instinctively aware you know, when, when the, the predator is around. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it definitely, I don't know exactly how you would establish that. But. Yeah. Um, I have, a, I have a couple ideas for that. Let me think on that a little bit as I, I think there's a, an opportunity for that to come up. So, um, we're going to get the whale watching that we were promised to in La Push. I need to mention that because I was really disappointed that they mentioned whales and I did not get any whales. Um, when she yeah. finally goes prom shopping with her friends in Port Angeles, she's actually going to have a good banter with her friends because I don't hate women. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're going to notice that she's like, she's not totally into the whole prom thing. And they're going to be like, they're going to realize being compassionate, caring, concerned friends that the guy she wants to go to prom with doesn't want to go to prom with her. So maybe she doesn't want to do prom dress shopping with them and they're just gonna let her go off and go to the bookstore by herself without it having to be like this weird friendship situation that just felt awkward as anything so the port angeles attack i want to keep this similar but bella starts to fight back against her attackers specifically at first she's very feeble they're pushing her around like she's basically just kind of like she's trying to make punches but there's more of them than her and she's not they're bigger than her, so she's not making a tremendous amount of ground. But then, as Edward approaches, there's just a surge in her strength, and she just bodies a dude before Edward comes in, takes over, and beats the shit out of the rest of the guys. Edward and Bella go to dinner. This scene is going to be kept similar, where Edward confesses to her that he can read minds, but then Bella is going to confess to him that she's been going through a lot of stuff, and she's noticed things in herself that just seem impossible and specifically she notices them the most when he's around and it's going to be clear from the way that she is saying this that she believes that like there is like a romantic emotional type thing and like this is why she believes she is getting stronger around him at the moment mm, interesting so Waylon gets attacked um after that we're going to keep that scene similar, but I want Waylon to be a little bit closer to Bella than just one of dad's friends that he was Santa when she was four, um, because I wanted to have some sort of emotional impact on her. Uh, and I, when she realizes that it's a vampire that did that to him, like it, it, it should hit hard. Um, as they pull up to the police station, one of the cops says, man, Charlie thought he spotted the attacker at the corner of the woods and he went after him fast as fuck to kind of set that his awakening is in progress as well. Interesting. Nice. Okay. Then they do the woods yeah, sparkle revelation. 
Um, it's not going to be sparkling. I'm taking away, away the sparkling because it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. I want them to be kind of like translucent, maybe iridescent-y and have like sort of an ethereal quality to their eyes and being when they're in the sun. I want it to be something where if you're looking at them, um, you definitely notice that there's something off, but you maybe think that they're wearing makeup or you think that there's something like a trick of your eyes or something like that. I want them to blend in, but not perfectly is, uh, is to make them kind of a more sensible threat to humans. To oh be. man. We don't, w- you mean we don't get the MS paint sparkles? <laughs> no, sorry. I don't have to take that from you. <laughs> I know it means a lot to you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's killing me inside. I know. Um, while this scene is happening, we see a scene of the teens at La Push Beach just doing normal teen shit. You hear them talking about Bella and get their opinions about like her and their relation and her relationship and stuff like that. Um, a, a common theme that I have throughout this pitch is just juxtaposing Bella's life and the life of the kids around her. So you just see the things that she's kind of giving up and sacrificing uh, for this whole scenario. Yeah. You know, something that would be really kind of fun to weave through this, since we're going to be at La Push so much, um, I would love to weave the idea that the kids in the high school genuinely feel like a little bit threatened when like Edward or the Cullens are around. But they feel safer on the reservation. Um, They feel safe at La Push because the Cullens can't come there. Even though it's like not conscious, it's like an instinctual thing why they keep going there to hang out yeah and one of the things is like i don't know why bella st- likes that guy like he's hot but he's creepy <laughs> like, he's trying to give me serial killer yeah. vibes because like let's be yeah. real if if bella and edward were dating jessica would be supportive as fuck to her face but she would be like oh my god like he's hot and i get why she's into him but oh my god he's just kind of like a serial killer you know <laughs> and i just think that that's a sociopath yes it's so much more realistic <laughs> Um, going, yeah. going back to her, Bella and Edward, um, Bella admits more of the things that are happening with her, and she thinks now that she might not be human. Um, she talks to Edward about becoming a vampire, because then at least someone would understand her. She expresses envy over Edward's family situation. Her dad loves her, but they don't have much in common. She resents being the parent to her free-spirited mom. I, I have a little bit of a question relating to this, but also connecting to what we were discussing earlier. Yep. The the bookstore. So she's going to the bookstore. Yes. Uh, what is she actually looking for there? Because, like, if... Obviously, she did... We had, like, a whole research scene for the vampires that was honestly kind of bizarre. Yeah. Um, but, obviously, there's, like, a little bit of a different scenario here. So is it still just vampires? Maybe she's sitting at prom dress shopping and she just sees the bookstore and she's drawn over there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that could be, that could definitely be dope. And then uh, if she picks up, she picks up a book while she's there. um, I I still like the idea of it kind of, (laughs) yeah, it could be really fun to still have it be a book about the indigenous lore of the area. And then... Because then she, wait, does LaPush come before or after that? Or like the time she talks to Jacob about the indigenous lore comes. He gives her a little, he gives her breadcrumbs and she uses those breadcrumbs to Google it. And then she goes to the bookstore. So maybe he says something and she sees that word. Like maybe he, he, she sees like a word he references in the. 
in a book on. Well, something. maybe that too could be a great moment of like he says something, he talks a little bit, but he's a little reserved about sharing. Yeah, I'm not the stories because he doesn't know how. Right, but she's curious now because she genuinely cares about him, and so the bookstore is a little bit less of oh, there's like creepy stuff going on. More like oh, this is an interesting yeah. story my friend cares about, so I'm gonna go look at that yeah. and by the nature of their you know connection starts to actually get more information about what Mm -hmm. she is through that. And it recontextualizes a lot of things about that as well, because it just makes, it just makes her awakening feel less like she web emptied it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a natural progression of being in the area. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Um, so then we go to the meet the vampire family scene, and this scene isn't awkward because Rosalie makes weird anti-Italian jokes, but rather because Edward's inviting a hunter home to meet mom, which is actually a way better dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> Carlisle clocks her as a hunter because he used to be a Volturi and talks to her. Um, Ooh, uh, sorry, before, before you continue, I'm just thinking about the scene where Bella walks into a house full of vampires mm-hmm. and instantly they're all like on edge. On edge. Not because they want to eat her, but because they're suddenly they're scared mm-hmm. and only one of them understands why. why. Yeah. Yeah. So Carlisle is going to explain it to Esme um, to basically have a moral debate over whether vamps and hunters can even be friends. And Carlisle is going to come to the conclusion that he has it in him to help her through her awakening in a way that can become beneficial to them. So I'm thinking by this point that she's had a chance to read some of the book and that he's just kind of confirming what she doesn't want to think about herself. Okay. Yeah. So I'm assuming this is all happening kind of while she's still at the house. He's, he's pulling aside while her, um, while her and uh, Edward upstairs. Yeah. I would really like a scene also where before he makes that decision, he pulls Edward aside and basically tries to convince Edward this is not a good idea in a in that like pseudo dad son kind of yeah. way of like this is a really bad thing to do. But when Edward doesn't like want to follow that, then he shifts his perspectives like, OK, well, if we're going to do this, you know, everybody has to be aware of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It gives us a good way for Esme to kind of factor into the equation, too, because maybe she's the one that softens his heart on that matter. Yeah. Yeah. It also gives us a chance for Bella to interact with the rest of Edward's Mm -hmm. family without him being there in a protective, you know, like barrier kind Mm -hmm. of way, um, which would be a really great time to see how they react. Because, I mean, we haven't talked about Alice much here, but she obviously plays a pity pretty big role exactly um and it would it would give us more context to why rosalie doesn't like bella and doesn't want to be around her um which i think helps a lot too we just like just generally more context of those relationships out at the beginning yeah i mean we can even give a perspective while like you got carlisle and esme discussing you've got edward and bella together and then you can just have the rest of the the other four kind of giving their own perspective on the matter as well um in a scene yeah. at roughly the same time. One of the things that I that frustrates me. So here's the here's the reason that I kind of kept the other siblings. Uh, a just because my plot my thing was already too long. But one of the reasons I kept the other four out of this is because I'm not super happy with all of them just being the whitest vampires that have ever white vampired. Yeah. 
like Jasper's a fucking like yeah. civil civil war ghost. Like I I just I really want to recast that whole family and give them a divorce a diverse set of origins. It, not just the whole oh yeah. I'm a leftist and I everything deserves to be divor- diverse, but these are vampires that have come together over a period of over a hundred years. It doesn't make sense that they're all going to be fairly similar backgrounds. Well, it, wise. it's like. This is the opportunity to make it more interesting. Yes. You know, like Spanish flu yeah. affected the whole world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And uh, like no. you, you can you can meddle with so many different things. Like you can establish that vampires exist in, in multiple different lores. Like one of the things that Devin and I were struggling with on the pitch is that there are a lot of ways in which you tinker with this plot, and because all of the vampires are white and all of the werewolves are Native American, it basically becomes colonization simulator 2.0. True. Yeah. And it really shouldn't be that way because Throughout human history, nearly every human society has had some sort of vampire mythos to explain the harder parts to understand about death dying and not dying. Yeah. I I would really like to see uh, an indigenous vampire yes. as well. Um, because it speaks to the long history this place has had. And the fact that even though werewolves exist... They're not all werewolves. Like, not every indigenous person becomes a werewolf. So, to some degree, some people are going to be lost to the cause, kind yeah. of. Um, and it just, it, it definitely fleshes things out a lot mm. more. Yeah. Um, especially, I mean, honestly, that would kind of be a fun character to have anyways if they're, like, torn between their people and the land and then, you know, the Cullens and, like, just because of their age at this point, the people they've actually known for, you know, any length of time. Yeah. It would, it would create a very interesting character with um, a, a, a cloudy loyalty dynamic, which, you know, is fun to play with. Yeah. That makes sense. So next we have Vampire Baseball. Yes. This scene fucks. <laughs> I want a high budget extended cut version. But Bella knows she's a hunter now, and she has the early parts of a supernatural awakening, so she can participate. And she throws a wicked slider because Charlie taught her right. Nice. (laughs) James and Victoria approach. James sees Bella and can tell, by the way, that she's moving and everything like that, that she's not human. But he also knows that she's not a vampire, and she's just not anything that he's acquainted with but wait maybe he would be acquainted with hunters how old is james i don't don't honestly know we're gonna say that he doesn't know hunters just because in our lore hunters are kind of like rare anyway he doesn't know i like that too because then early on when he like starts catching whiffs Mm -hmm. of something else his brain's not going to be like that's a hunter. It's like, that's something I've never encountered. Yeah. I want to go hunt it. Yeah. I go take it down. So basically, when he sees him, her, he's excited. He's excited. He's scared. And he's more than a little aroused. Like, you can tell that he is just examining her from every different angle. And just, she is a new world of possibilities to him. <laughs> um, so you have all that scene with, uh, you know, them going away, uh, them like, you know, getting rid of James and everything like that after the baseball t- uh, game or whatever. So he'll disappear for a bit. Um, 
Then you have Bella and Charlie fight to throw off James. And this scene hurts because we've been building Charlie up this whole time. And we're going to like linger on his reaction for a while after Bella leaves. And then he's just going to do something that displays like some uncharacteristically impressive physical prowess. Like he's going to just like push his fist down on the on the on the table in frustration. And that table's just going to fucking he, splinter. He should bend his shotgun. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I could totally the visual on that is just so good. <laughs> just especially like if we've seen him kind of with it before and we know it's it's like his safety item, right? And then in this moment he he, he his in cactus. his frustration he breaks his safety item. Yeah. Um yeah, I think Bella has an emotional support I, cactus. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, we all have our special things. Um so okay, so if if she's going to fight Charlie, mm -hmm. what, uh, because I've complained about this earlier, mm -hmm. uh, what specifically is the point here to creating that separation with Charlie outside of James might track him down? Because she knows that he is interested in her because, in part, she's a hunter. And because he's a hunter as well, basically, the Cullens okay. are going to be like, look, hunters are rare. He knows that you are one of these things. He does not know that your father is. So she knows at this point that Charlie is as well. I think that when then. I think that when Carlisle talks to her, it would be a good thing for him, especially being the doctor, to be like, yo, this is genetic. And just based on how okay. your dad responds around me in these small times that we've been together, I think it's from your dad. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that works. I would admit, I don't like that, but part of the whole keep as many of the story beats as possible means that I have to keep that so I had to make yeah. it work. <laughs> yeah. So, sometimes you have to compromise. Exactly. Um but it also gives good reason for Charlie to have to shift his perspective. Exactly. Um so there's there's merit mm -hmm. to the fight. It's just it has to be something besides yeah, the hunter tracker might, you know, go after him instead of the prey he obviously wants. Yeah. So there's this really small throwaway scene um, where Edward, Bella, Alice, and Emmett are luring James away. And you see all of the teens at the diner just living their normal life in the uh, original movie. And I like that. And I know that that's they were trying to go a like a, hey, this is Bella's life versus their life. But they don't do it very effectively in the, in the uh, film. And I actually want to do that effectively. Like, I want to really make it clear from the like focus on the faces like all of the people in the car all of the vamps and hunters they're going to be like scared stressed not thrilled all of the people at the diner relaxed happy enjoying life loving it um yeah and there's going to be something obvious from bella's demeanor that she's like is this the life that i could have lived um yeah i think i think there should also be a little bit of focus uh, on Jessica in this moment because she's the yeah. one who kind of pulled Bella into that friend group. She's going to be the one that's most painful to let go yeah. of. Um, so we focus on her as they drive by and you just see, maybe she notices the car and she waves, but Bella doesn't wave back. Yeah, that would, that would be great. And that, and that, like, <laughs> I need to, see. which also later on will be great when she comes back and Jessica's like, yo, 
What the fuck? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Jessica's gonna be like, look, girl, you need to fill me in. I like the idea, and I think if I did, we we only did a first movie pitch for this, obviously, but I think if this series continued, I would want Jessica to become like the 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 vamp hag, she, like the chick that just hangs out with all the vamps, even though she's a human. I love that for her. I just want I want to keep these good people in her life. Um, yeah. So. You have a scene with Carlisle. I want, I want Carlisle to have this line, just Bella's family now and we protect family. Um, then we're going to cut to Charlie. We have a brief scene of Charlie showing up at Billy's door. He's nearly in tears. I don't know what's going on, Billy. I just know my Bella's into something bad and I don't know where to turn. Um, and Billy is going to be like, let me call Carlisle. He'll know what to do. Damn. Make me cry already. <laughs> I know, right? um before oh yeah um sorry i kind of did my pitch out of order before they flee south (laughs) um bella tells edward she's a hunter and she tells him that she just wants to be friends until she understands what her powers are and until they both learn how to be better people Edward has undergone some personal develop by this point and he doesn't respond super great but he gets it and I, I, that's going to be one of those scenes where I want, I want them to break up in a way that doesn't feel bad. I want it to just feel like the natural conclusion, where they understand that the reason that they're attracted to each other is probably toxic, and that until they understand themselves and it better, that it's not healthy for them to be in any type of like intimate relationship. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm really curious if Devin is going to know where this comes where this comes from because this is a scene that is new to this bitch since the last time we talked. <laughs> Meanwhile, we see Carlisle. He's with Charlie and Esme in a stable. He eyes a horse. Esme rolls her eyes. How do you even eat at a time like this? Carlisle shoots a knowing look at Charlie. I hope this works. Bella gets lured to the ballet studio, similar to before. However, this time she fights back and she's doing pretty decently. She's not killing James on her own, but she's at least not a ragdoll being tossed around. You can tell that she's growing and she's developing and that she's had potential. And James bites Bella right before... Uh, Bella thinks that she has him pinned. She thinks that she can get him killed, but it's a trap And he manages to twist around in her hold and bite her right before she has a chance to, like, stake him or something like that. Mm. And... Yeah. This should really be played up as, like, a lack of experience thing, too, as opposed to a lack of power thing. Yeah. She's gonna... You're gonna sense that she's kind of fighting by instinct, but she doesn't quite understand her instincts yet. Like, she knows that she needs to stake him, like, but she doesn't really know... Like, she's not quite d- figuring it out right. Like, okay, I need to do this, but the yeah. angle's not working, you know. Um, try, you know, don't play it up for a comedy or anything like that. Um, now we have a really interesting scene. Because in the original, Edward does a, like, there's the whole, do we turn Bella? Or do we try, do we let Bella turn? Or do we save her? But when you're in this situation, you're not just dealing with Bella the girlfriend. You're dealing with Bella the hunter, the motherfucking threat. Um, 
I want Jasper to, I don't know why he's here, but at this point in time, by now he's gotten here because Alice can fucking read minds. So he's here. Um, and Jasper is like, wait, what if the only human that is actually good at killing us has super vampire powers too, you big dumb dummy? <laughs> and then Edward is like, what do I do, Alice? Her eyes focus and unfocus. I, I don't. You don't do anything. There's a long pause. Charlie storms in because he ain't about to let another woman walk out of his life, and he knows how to save his daughter. Nice. He whips out a blood bag, and Edward looks at him like he has lost his goddamn mind. Carlisle is like, shit, baby, let it happen, as he injects Bella with concentrated horse plasma with all that concentrated vampire antivenom. Ah. Ooh, nice. (laughs) Finally, at the end, which, uh, Devin, that's the answer to how humans are supposed to fight. Yeah, no, I I, I like it a lot. (laughs) Finally, at the end, we have a wrap-up prom, but this time it's a friend prom. Jessica says, I cannot believe you broke up with Edward Cullen. And Bella's like, I'm still trying to figure it out. We're still friends. Jessica gives uh, Bella a knowing look. Oh, yeah. So it doesn't look, it doesn't have to do anything with him. Cut to Jacob. Fade to black. Nice. That's the movie. Damn. It, it's almost like if you actively engage your audience and then leave them on a cliffhanger, <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> Did I do well with uh, the Charlie emotion? Like one of the big things that um, we were trying to achieve with this is that Bella leaves Charlie, who is arguably one of my favorite characters in this whole franchise. And, like, I don't feel anything emotionally. Like, I I really should feel something. And I really wanted to make sure that by the time Bella leaves, we love Charlie and we hate that she's left. Yeah, well, the the movie doesn't present it emotionally. It presents it as comedy. You know what I mean? Like, like her leaving Charlie is not world-ending, and he doesn't know it. And so the whole thing is just presented with this whole, like comedy twist that doesn't actively yeah, make sense we, we have to really see his world shatter because he kind of just apathetically lets her leave in yeah. the movie and that change from that to him literally crumbling because of it shows us how impactful yeah. it was yeah because even in yeah. in some of the diner scenes like you can see and and like the scene where they're talking in the kitchen there's obvious regret in how he feels like he just let her mother leave and then he just lets bella leave it's just like oh okay women just leave i guess that's just what fucking women do that's not what people do they just don't let the people they love leave them yeah and especially if like it's happened once and you've been miserable for years because of it it's like okay you know (laughs) Like that, that shift for wanting to fight. I love him going to Billy like that establishes their friendship Mm -hmm. so much more and gives us a chance to watch like the growth happen inside of him. Um, And I I think too, like, I feel like generally, and obviously we can only talk about so much here, but I feel like generally the undertone is just relationship development in a really healthy way outside of the vampires. Yeah. Um, even with uh, Jessica, I love how, like, the way this ends suggests that Jessica is, like, actively involved in Bella's relationship, yeah. both 
with her and behind her back. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like friends do. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, the idea, uh, the, I, the idea, I didn't, I couldn't think of a good way to do it, but I had an idea of a scene where Jessica decides, oh God, Bella really likes this Edward guy. So let me, let me try and hook the two of them up and just like awkwardly tries to wingman for Bella. Yeah. I love the idea. I, of I that. think, I think what, and with one of those scenes at LaPush where she's walking with Jacob, we should see a scene of Jessica in a way that shows she obviously approves of that relationship. Yeah. And is actively trying to make that relationship work because she understands how bad Edward is mm. and doesn't want to just be like, hey, I'm going to break up your relationship. But rather, like, maybe if we show you, like, maybe if you see a better relationship, you know, you'll, you'll, like, pull away from that a little bit more. I know you like cold men, but have you considered warm men? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're way better to cuddle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um. <sighs> Yeah, no, I, I I like this a lot more. <laughs> I'm glad. Aaron, where would you peg this for genre? Like, what? Because there's like... Coming of age story, I think. <laughs> so coming of age can, can apply to many things. Um, I, I guess I'm looking yeah. for like, is this horror, thriller, action, comedy? Like, where, where are you seeing the tone land? And you can like string a bunch of these together too. I don't think there's a wrong answer here. You know, I mean, I think paranormal drama is like a genre of itself. Yeah. And I, I want to see it. I want it to feel like adult paranormal drama. Like that genre has a certain feel to it. Totally. But at the same time, we, we, we got to discussing director because a director is very, very difficult with a piece like this. Yeah. Because we really wanted to go with somebody indigenous, but... There are so few indigenous Hollywood directors, Holly especially when this film was made. Hollywood does not hire Native Americans. Shocking about the racist Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. So I think I've come to like, um, I like I like the idea of Chloe Zhao uh, like making it. I think that would be really good because I think she could handle the relationship emotional beats. And she's also worked with indigenous like actors and stuff before and does okay with it so uh, hopefully it would not be a problem the way a lot of <laughs> directors would be because i want it to be done in a way that can be made to feel respectful yeah 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 this might be a good opportunity to turn it out to the crowd um for actor or yeah actors directors that could do this mm -hmm. well because i'm i'm not well versed in that like i i know directors yeah. but i i can even like openly say yeah i don't know um actors that land in this kind of grouping and and yeah. why they should be I mean, like presented that way and it, uh, Taika Waititi was another one that was like tempting because, you know, he's not American indigenous, but he's New Zealand indigenous and at least understands the way that that can be just exploited and colonialized and yeah. repackaged and shit. So, you know, I want somebody respectful. As, as much as as much as I love uh, Chloe Zhao, another possibility because, you know, pieces are clicking in my brain. Yep. Uh, Carlos Estrada who just directed uh, Ryan the Last Dragon, which I don't know if you guys have seen, but was fantastic and was fantasy and managed to weave various cultures together in a way that felt yeah. respectful to all of them. Um, 
so that he might be a, a good choice too. Oh, I've got I've uh, I, I mean, actually like, have one. Shockingly, oh, um, I don't know if anyone else saw this besides me in 2019. There's a movie called Blood Quantum. No, okay, I don't know. I've never even heard of that. Movie. All right, I have I have the it? perfect one sentence pitch for you. What if a bunch of first peoples of uh, Canada and America came together and made a zombie movie about being the only people left alive after all the white people died? <laughs> that is amazing. I love it. <laughs> I, mean, I need to watch that. So I, I highly recommend Blood Quantum. It is, and, and this is coming from the guy who hates zombies. This movie's actually good. Um, they call them Zeds, which is just Canadian as fuck. Um, but <laughs> the director, Jeff Barnaby, is a... Um, oh, I, I'm going to horribly mispronounce this because I don't know the proper pronunciation. Mekamp? Uh, Mekank? Um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a First Nations tribe from the Northeastern Woodlands. I don't know the pronunciation. But anyways, he is like fully like Canadian uh native he's awesome he it just and he crushed it with blood quantum so vampires and uh werewolves feel like right up his alley I love it yeah I I love that yeah yeah that sounds perfect I I feel like I need to look up the pronunciation for this because I feel like an asshole um actually this is a yeah, good it's... thing I'm a white person who doesn't know how to pronounce first people's uh, indigenous names and that's m- partly the ed- educational system's fault but also my fault um, it is pronounced oh that's not what I wanted you to do Wikipedia it's Mi'kmaq there you go Mi'kmaq ah Mi'kmaq Interesting. I would not have assumed from the apostrophe K M A Q. That's just my my white pronunciation. Mi'kmaq. The hard. It is also the hard part about so many uh, different languages using the same alphabet, yeah, yeah. or adopting the same <laughs> alphabet because, like, they obviously didn't always use the same. Yeah. alphabet. Are you saying the English alphabet? Adopting that alphabet. How dare you? <laughs> Just like everybody has a different pronunciation for letters, and it makes it hard. Mi'kmaq. Uh, interesting. I like that. Yeah, so um, Jeff Barnaby, Mi'kmaq. Uh, that's my director pitch. However, I will say that um, Catherine Hardwick, good choice in general. She's wonderful. <laughs> for anything but Twilight. And a better. For anything but the production studio's version of Twilight. <laughs> Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, sometimes sometimes it's hard to work with the script you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> we we have to start bre- blaming script writers a lot more <laughs> for, for the crap we watch. The true enemy of Film Rescue. Yeah, it was perfect in your head, but you didn't write it perfect. That's your fault. Oh my God, literally, that's me every day. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> um, I relate very strongly to that every- statement. <laughs> Let us uh, sashay into closings here. Aaron, hey. what a pitch. 
Uh, Shibby says bye. <laughs> Thank you. Shibby, Devin helped. Shibby said, shut the fuck up. Leave now. Pretty much. Um, she's like, yeah, it's time to cuddle. Um, you guys have been talking for more than two hours, and I gave you silence through two of them, so get done. <laughs> <laughs> um uh the pitch is excellent i i definitely am Thank way you. more on board for thematically jumping into the the ideas i'm i really like the idea of the introduction of the uh the gene from the van helsings that really i think helps a lot of the lore um mm-hmm. it, it feels like we we led into a proper finale charlie gets his due yeah, I mean, like Charlie saves the day like a boss. That's the end. Like the, that's the only thing you could ask for, right? <laughs> no, a- excellent pitch for for a yeah. what? What did you say it was, Devin? Aggressively mediocre. I said that, <laughs> Aaron. Yeah. That's right, Aaron. That said was that. yeah. <laughs> for an aggressively mediocre movie, what a aggressively excellent pitch. Thank you. I would watch this. I do not want to admit how much work went into this pitch because. I watched the movie multiple times. Devin and I probably put like 10 hours into just Discord call conversations about this stupid pitch. I, I definitely put in six hours of watch time, so I can meet you there. Um, I'm so proud of you. Real quick, uh, Aaron, please regale the audience with your phone background. Yes. I'm sorry? Your, your phone background over the last month? <laughs> Oh, so I have really bad ADHD and I forget to do things like it's a problem. And if I have something that I really need to get done, I set it as my phone background. So my phone background for over a month has been the poster for Twilight, the shitty fucking poster. Like, um, if you live forever, what do you live for? So today I finally get to change my phone background to um, uh, write, 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 because I need to write my novel. Nice. nice. That's the plan. Or you could switch it to Blood Quantum. I mean, it's an equally excellent poster. <laughs> Love it. Devin, did you go to the Valley Mall much being a Smithsburg kid? Oh, um, the Valley Mall, uh, a fair amount, mostly with my parents, though. I didn't do I didn't do the like social hangout thing yeah. as a kid. So I just worked. Do you? <laughs> but. Definitely Relatable. my parents. So, so, and this is just for Devin. Anyone else listening, you can just fuck off for a second. Um, do you remember <laughs> the eight foot? Thanks, Dick. <laughs> do you remember the eight foot Twilight uh, poster outside of the Barnes and Noble, or not Barnes and Noble? Um, oh. oh, what was the bookstore in the Valley Mall? Walden uh, Books. It was. It was Borders, yeah. wasn't it at the time? Yes, Borders. That's it. In, in, a different yeah. B. Do you remember that eight foot poster they had out front in two thousand eight? And uh, uh, unfortunately, now that you've mentioned <laughs> yes! it, yes, I do. So thank you for that repressed memory. Yes, <laughs> the only win I needed tonight was someone else to remember that fucking like Edward Cullen's head was like uh, three feet long. Oh God, it was dude. Yeah, you just was... triggered something in my brain. So I used to work. Um, I used to work overnights at an uh, in IT, and I would work in this office that I had to patrol around to go check various IT related stuff. And there was this chick that had a life size Edward Cullen cutout that she would just move around various areas of her cube. And every fucking night, I would think there was some random dude <laughs> in the goddamn building with me. Ugh. I hate that. Oh, <laughs> I you know talking about. Talking about that, I don't I don't know if it was the Smithsburg or the Frederick Mall, but one of them just had cardboard cutouts of all of the characters. 
that they would place while the movie was coming out, like at various times. So you just had the whole cast there, mm. and in in you know full life size <laughs> cutout, which is you know fantastic. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh man! Uh, well, yeah, good times. Rough, what a rough time memories. to be alive. <laughs> Well, I just had a flashback to when Titanic was released and I was working at Chick-fil-A across the street from the fucking movie theater and just oh, lines, no. lines, oh. lines, lines. Don't know why that came Ooh, to damn. mind. I was thinking about malls, <laughs> malls and movies that I do, yeah. didn't like working but, through. Uh, man, talk about things Gen yeah, Z will never Post-COVID, do we miss yeah. malls? <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah. No. Jeez. <laughs> oh, this will only make all. sense to like, uh, like 10% of our audience. Um, Teenagers making out in the entrances of malls. Oh, <laughs> just the worst. <laughs> Guys, just go outside. <laughs> at least, at least go in the right. hot topic, please. <laughs> oh man, what a trip down memory memory lane. Uh, well, let let's do closings real quick while we're uh, riding high on that happy Devin. Um, what would you like to say or plug? for your social media and or endeavors. Um, I mean, you know what? I want to I wanna plug Montressor Media's Discord because not enough of you guys are in it. Truth. And it's dope and awesome stuff happens there. And in the very near future, we're going to start doing real events inside of it. So We already do uh, real events, have, like game nights. We do game well, nights like is, once a month or so. This is true. We do game nights. We do movie watches, which are great hangouts. <laughs> Um, but I want to also start pushing for more organized events where we can interact uh, with you guys uh, a little bit. So if you're not in our Discord, definitely do that because um, it's it's the place well, to be. Well, and they can find it now publicly because we just switched to a community <laughs> server. Woo! Uh, we did switch to a community server. I hate to say it is not public, as exciting wow, as that was, Devin. because we do not have enough Just people in it. Just me right there. <laughs> this <laughs> Discord wants a lot of people in our server before they'll let us make it public. So if you what? get in there, we could go how, public How many soon. do we need? Um, uh, several thousand. Oh. So it's it's a big number. But we're gonna we're gonna work hard, and you can help us by getting in there and inviting your friends and getting other people. Just listening to our podcast because we we we're making a lot of them, guys. For real, and uh, you know they're all. Awesome, I watch so. four movies a week just for this <laughs> these shows. <laughs> we are we are trying to corrupt our souls until we hate movies for you. The least you could Dude, do. Dude, I am actually genuinely concerned. <laughs> After I graduated from film school, I did not watch a movie for two years. I could not watch one. Yeah. It can be rough sometimes. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the big thing I want to plug right now. And Aaron, my favorite NB, let's uh, plug your stuff. Hi. So first off, I have the Palette Cleanser podcast, which is where we talk about movies that do not suck. Movies that we have a certain sort of nostalgic about and movies that we just in general actually enjoy watching and talking about. You can give that a listen. We have a ton of episodes available. Tons of lovely movies. Soon we will be having a show coming up called Loki Sucks Dick, which is going to be a, a queer look 
<laughs> which is going to be a queer look at the upcoming Marvel TV series, Loki. Very excited about that as well. That will be here in time for Pride Month. Um, well, I'll be here in the middle of Pride Month-ish because that's the, that's when the show I comes out. If you want to follow me personally, um, I shitpost and do queer stuff on many platforms. On Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Aaron Moriarty YT, and on Twitch, I am at Aaron Moriarty. Perfect. I'd also like to point out uh, Loki Sucks Dick is going to be on YouTube as well. We are pushing our way into YouTube and TikTok. So if you're here nice. and prefer those, you're welcome. And if you have friends that avoid podcasts but do YouTube and TikTok, invite them. Like me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't listen to podcasts. Uh, I don't listen to any of our shows because I edit them. So fuck that. <laughs> Um, let me round this out. So we have so many shows. We have That Weird Ass Game, which is a look at odd games. We're not talking about Call of Duty. We're not talking about popular stuff. We're talking about the weird stuff. Uh, that's uh, Jesse's show. Jesse also hosts Split the Difference, which is a show that compares original movies with their remakes or multiple remakes in the case of our next episode, which will be on The Grudge. We have a Patreon-only show called So What Else. We just had some really fun guests on that show, which will probably show up in your Film Rescue feed at some point because that is the one with the most subscribers. This is your fault, not ours. Um, that's just a show where we talk about things that we like. That's it. Simple pitch, right? Yeah. Um Loved it. From there, you're obviously listening to Film Rescue, but all of our shows end up on our Patreon. Like I said at the break, patreon.com slash Media. Access is $1. We are two-thirds of the way, uh, approximately if you round up, uh, to our goal of $300 a month for subscribers that will get us into YouTube for everything. Film Rescue, Palette Cleanser, we'll put our faces on the internet for you uh, to judge and hopefully be very nice to because we're all so cute. I mean, have you seen Devin's face? The man's so symmetrical. Not in like a long ass time because he likes taking it across the other side of the country. He's living in that twilight area. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not, I gotta leave now. Dang it. You ruined the whole <laughs> thing for me. Um, I Sweet. Devin's coming back. Devin is coming back. And we're going to make short films and have a great time. Um, Yay. I think that's all the shows. Did I miss anything? I feel like I did, but I don't know what if I did. Weird Ass Games. Split the Difference. Sp palette Cleanser. Split the Difference. Palette Cleanser. Film Rescue LSD. Show. Uh, LSD. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's it. Hey, you're here. You made it this far. So, good for you. You get a cookie, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how to reward people for making it to the end of a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> they they get to listen to us longer. That should be rewarded. Look, if you listen to this far and you PM Seth, he'll send you a picture of his butt. Uh, you can get a picture of my butt for free on Instagram. <laughs> if you... Shut up, Seth. <laughs> I'm trying to motivate people. If you listen this far and you DM me um, specifically <laughs> the word Alcatraz, I'll send you a surprise. How about that? <laughs> if anyone follows up, I'm shocked. Yeah. 
<laughs> hey, that's going to do it for the show. I've been your pitchmaster, General Seth. This was Twilight. Not as bad as you thought. Not nearly as bad as 2008 led me to think. Thank you for listening. And everybody say good night. <laughs>